Welcome to Talent Management Truths. I'm your host, Lisa Mitchell. I'm a talent management thought partner and results coach, wife, and mom. Talent management leaders are hungry to learn from their peers and want to hear about real-life talent initiatives. This podcast is for and by talent management leaders. My guests and I dig into successes, challenges, and lessons learned from a very practical, not theoretical point of view. You'll discover important insights about how to elevate your confidence and amplify your influence in a role known for being caught in the organizational middle. I'm thrilled to have you listening. So let's get going and hear the truth about talent management today. All of us share the experience of being new into a role or organization at least once. It can be uncomfortable and exciting. And yet, it can also be easy to forget that mix of emotion when it comes to designing or sustaining onboarding programs and processes for other people. There are important learnings you can extrapolate when considering how to create or improve support systems for new leaders and employees in your organization. In today's episode, we discuss my guest's recent experience of being the new person around town for the first time in a while, and we break down the do's and don'ts when starting in a new role and company. My guest is Melissa Law, who is the VP of Culture, Talent, and Organizational Development at Liberty Utilities. She's also a certified coach. This is Melissa's third visit to Talent Management Truths. I keep inviting her because she's incredibly articulate and smart and brings so much wisdom. Plus, we have a lot of fun and our conversations simply flow. I invite you to go back to episode number one on creating buy-in and episode 18 on succession planning for more great content with Melissa. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to Talent Management Truths. I'm your host, Lisa Mitchell, and today I am joined for the third time, in fact, by Melissa Law. Melissa was the first guest on the show, and I'm delighted to have you here again. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much. This is always a fun place to be, and I love when we spend time together talking everything talent. Likewise, likewise. We could go for hours. So things have changed since you were last on the show. We talked about succession planning. I got a lot of great feedback about that episode as well as the first one. Perhaps you could start by catching us up a little bit on what's been happening for you. Yeah, so thanks for highlighting that. It is, it's been a wild start to 2022. And you know, when we last connected, Lisa, I was launching Sunrise Coaching and and stepping out of the corporate environment and really starting to get my feet wet and see, you know, what's this business development like and networking and, and things I enjoyed to do. However, an opportunity came around and, and I just, you know, the, you know, the universe is trying to tell me something here. And so I have moved back into a corporate leadership role and I'm really excited to be in the newly created role of Vice President of Culture OD and Talent with Liberty Utilities in Oakville. They are a wonderful company that has gone through massive growth, rapid growth yes. in the last couple of years. And so I have jumped on board to join them and forge the future with everyone there around how do we make a footprint? And, you know, they have a very strong vision and uh, guiding principles and purpose and, and pillars to, to help lead that way. And I'm thrilled to be part of it. I'm not abandoning Sunrise Coaching. I have a lot of passion there around the power of coaching and what it can do to 
help individuals transform themselves and the, the world around them. And so I'm going to leverage this opportunity to, you know, really dig into some of my passion projects on the coaching side while I am acquainting and onboarding with Liberty. Fabulous. Well, and and we both kind of giggled when I when we when I figured out you'd gone there because I've done work with, yes. with Liberty as a as a coach on their roster and worked with several leaders there and really really enjoyed enjoyed it and and what a great industry to get involved with right with with re- its renewables wind and solar which is the way we need to be going with with fossil fuels becoming more and more in disfavor right so for rightfully so because of climate change so yeah so congratulations on that shift thank you really really intriguing and so you know when we were talking about what we wanted to focus on for this particular episode where we landed was huh here you are ramping up onboarding in this newly created role and you know really working to be conscious about empathy right where is this organization at where are the people at what do they need what do I need? And also drawing from your own experience, helping to craft onboarding programs in the past for other leaders. So, so with that, I think, you know, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what does it feel like <laughs> to be, you know, coming out for a little bit and then now going back in and it's a completely different industry. It's a new role. Like, where are you at with that? Well, I don't think I'd be alone in saying that's yeah, a little bit scary. <laughs> because it's changed. It's something new, right? And and this is not foreign to me. Of course, I've worked across big box retail, telecommunications, construction, senior living, and now utilities. But it, it's always a, it's a change not only for the company, but it's a change for the person and really trying to find their footing. You know, someone went said to me, it's like when you, when you move companies where things were going really well, it's like going from hero to zero. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Everybody knew you. You knew what was going on and, you know, you knew the lingo and everything. And now it's like, oh, who are you? (laughs) You know, whenever you go into a new organization. And so, you know, it's that it's that balancing act or more like the juggling act of, you know, how do I learn about the organization? How do I find, you know, how I fit in with the culture and everything? Where where am I? Where are we going to focus going forward as you get to know your team and your your business leaders and your HR partners? There's so much to really sit back, observe, and get curious about and learn from in those early days when you're making a transition into a new role with a new company. Well, and you brought up, you know, getting curious. And, and I think that's incredibly important and, and humble, right? It's a, a strong way to approach a new setting because you're having to earn trust. You don't have the goodwill you had before. You, you, you've got to build it, right? It's that hero to zero thing. So with curiosity, often I talk about the, the judger learner model, which I'm sure you're familiar with. You know how most of us walk around all day in judger mode. And, and that's, that's okay. It's not saying that we're bad people, but we are human. And so it's easy for us to go into, you know, not truly be listening and to go into judger mode and sort of have the inner eye roll and and that kind of thing. And so just not judging ourselves for judging, but noticing it, choosing to step back and shift into learner mode. And when we do that, we come with curiosity. So I'm really seeing you choose to be the learner in this particular situation. 
Very much so, because it's easy for any human being around the globe to go into that judge mode. I mean, you know, go read positive intelligence and, and look at the research in neuroscience. Like it's inherent to human beings and it does not discriminate, right? Wherever you right. are, whatever role you're in or level you're in. I go way back to early days when I worked with Walmart Canada. They That's really where I grew up, right? Through yes. my 20s and into my, my 30s. And I was there for about 12 years or more. And as lead, new leaders would come in and peers and we would onboard them, back in those days, I, I would feel that pang when they'd say, well, why don't we do it this way? Why don't we do it that way? Have you ever thought about this? And it would, quite honestly, in my youth and in those meetings where, with a company that I revered, like, I found it really annoying and insulting at times, <laughs> right? And so, fortunately, in the spirit of learning, I've kept that feeling with me as I went to companies since then to say, you know what, I don't, that's not a nice way to feel. And if I'm going to be the new person, then, you know, What's the talk I need to walk here? What's the culture? What are the norms? What are, you know, the taboos and things like that? And, and really to appreciate and get into that curiosity mode that we spoke of and ask the questions of what's the history? What have we tried? What haven't we tried? You know, what do we think of this? You know, how's it going? All of those kinds of questions to just really get curious and to be able to draw out the most insights that that a person can as they're learning about a new organization and the new people that they are forming relationships on. So important to, to do exactly that. Leave, leave any judgment and, and any assumptions or jumping to conclusions at the door. This in these early days is the opportunity to get curious and to learn, to be open-minded to where have we been, where are we at, and where are we looking to go? Well, it's, it's absolutely essential at this beginning point, isn't it? Right. When you're, when you're building that trust, you're getting the lay of the land, you're, you know, you're starting to create that vision and strategy to leave those assumptions and judgments at the door. And it's, it's important to do that ongoing too, which is, it's so interesting, right? It's kind of like a way to, to start that you can continue with, right? In the way you operate and the way you, you get things done. You, you mentioned a couple of great questions there, which I really enjoyed. So first of all, just a contrast to the one that you experienced that didn't, you didn't personally like, which I've experienced too, with new leaders coming in or new peers, even why do you do it like that? You know, and it, and it, and when you go through for people listening that may have had some, some education around coach-like approach or, or, or executive coaching, you know, we're taught you, you don't ask why. And the reason is puts people on defensive. They automatically feel like they have to defend. And that's not a great place to be when you're trying to learn, right? Because you're going to get it, it, not necessarily a holistic view of something. You're going to get a selectively built, I'm going to convince you darn it, that this is the right way to be, right? <laughs> so, so you're not getting kind of the whole picture because, because you've put somebody on the defense potentially with that why question. So you've suggested, you know, a couple of great ones. What's the history? What have you tried? What haven't you tried? <laughs> what are some other great questions? Let's, let's compile a bit of a list here. Yeah. So if I think about some questions that I've used over, over the decades, if you had one wish, where you could do anything, you could change anything at this company, what would it be? And it's a great question that really has people stop and think, hmm, one wish, anything. 
where would I put all my all my pennies, right? Where would I really want to put that to make something even better in my organization? And a lot of times too, you know, where do you spend the most most of your time? What's priority? Right. And when I'm talking with individuals, I I tend to so I can understand more about them as well as the work that they do. I, I like to ask those more talent questions around, you know, what fills you with energy? What drains you? Because it lets you see a bit of a peek into the person to know and get to know them. Like what's gonna have you brighten up and engage and what might actually turn you off and, and shut you down because you find it draining. So those are some questions that I like to ask and really just start building off those. And I think the other piece that I would never have asked, I'll be honest with you, in past until going through and and becoming a coach, but there's power in understanding feelings and emotions and, and power for the good, right? So when I'm in anything new, a lot of times if something's coming up, it's noticing what that person is feeling and asking, like, what, what feelings or what emotions does that create for you? And again, it's purely, there's no right or wrong answer. I'm not judging. I'm just curious about, so you've shared something with me. What feelings does that create? And then you, you can start to learn about people and the company. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I also think that when you ask that question, it's a brave question and it can create a bit of vulnerability for, for the asker and the, the person replying. I think it's an interesting opportunity for the responding person to actually tune in to what's truly going on because we can, we can speak cerebrally, logistically all we want and, and sort of this is how it is. This is how it should be. And then often when you ask that question, so, so how does it make you feel? you know, in your gut, for instance. Oh, actually, oh, why'd you bring that up, (laughs) right? It makes me feel anxious. It makes me feel concerned. It makes me feel scattered or overwhelmed, whatever the answer is, or makes me feel grounded, passionate, joyful, whatever it is, it does give you Valued, heard, seen, part of the family, right? Yes. And so it gives you, it gives you a a window into looking at the cult and to understanding the culture because most people know, you know, your culture isn't just the values you have painted on the wall, right? It's the, the norms and the behaviors and, and things like that. And so that's not something you can read on a website. It's not something you can read on the wall on a very nice, beautiful, glossy poster. And so it's just a more personal and maybe more intimate looking in the window to the culture that exists within a team, a function or a company. You actually just made me think of a, a question that I, if I were in your shoes, would probably come up, which is, you know, most companies have that list of values on the wall, right? So taking it off the wall and how do, how do we live into or, or not live into our values in this organization, right? It's, are we walking the talk? And if not, where's our biggest opportunity? So not to make it into, you know, a complaint whinge and wine kind of fest, but rather, well, what does that mean? If that's, if that's how it is, where would you like to see things? Well, I, I think it, it's a great avenue to go because when you think about company values, corporate values, right, there's what's written and then there's about a thousand different interpretations because yeah. everyone processes and, and feels it and brings it to life differently. 
And that's one of the magical things about company values and company culture, right? Is, okay, so to your point, Lisa, you know, how does that come? How did these values come to life? Like, tell me some stories. Mm, that's beautiful. Tell me some stories. Okay, gold. What else could we dig into around that piece that would help with understanding for any new leader, not just a new talent leader in an or not a new leader necessarily, but a leader coming into yeah. a role for the first time in any particular department or division? What are some other things to be asking? A place that is important is really understanding the business model, understanding you know, how do we operate? Where do we operate? What are the complexities that we deal with? How do we make money? Like, let, let's just put that on a t on the table because yes. let's not forget that every company is in business to make money. Yes, we have a great vision, mission, and values. We don't go into business to not make money. And that applies whether you're for-profit or not-for-profit, whether you're fundraising or you're charging fees, right? It's a business. So how do we make money? It's important to know because especially sitting in, in corporate roles, then how do you service the business? How do you provide them what's needed if it doesn't align with the business model or how the business generates profit? Yeah. And I, and I agree. I think that's so critical because, you know, I think it's been changing for many years, though. HR, OD, well, HR was the party planner, my old, my old boss used to say, <laughs> we are not the party planners, you know, and there's been this real concerted effort and education around earning the right to be at the table and to be a partner and coming into a, a new organization, you don't have that built up goodwill. And so to earn that right with the various stakeholders, it's imperative that you can speak the language and you've got some credibility about stuff like how this business makes money and understand how HR, talent, OD, which, which, whatever area you're representing helps drive those results. Because otherwise there can be a tendency if there's no questions about that, you know, because I have had talent HR people say to me, I don't need to know that stuff. I'm a generalist. I'm really good at what I do. I don't, And I respectfully disagree completely because I think it goes to it's it, a detriment to your credibility if you're not really leaning in and asking those questions. You don't have to be an expert. You do have to know enough that you can follow along and speak the, the lingo, so to speak. What do you think? Absolutely. I agree full-heartedly. Those in the talent space, we wouldn't be there if there weren't operating teams and functions that were driving the business. And so should never get so high and mighty that, well, I only need to know talent. No, because you know what? It's not cookie cutter. You can't just say, well, I did this in my last company. I'm going to do it in this company. Won't work. Or I read it in this journal. And so I'm just going to do it the same way from the journal. Or I heard this at a fantastic conference session. Right. Okay. Well, like people, organizations are dynamic. They're living organisms. And they're not all the same. So if you don't work to understand how the, the business model works and what the, the company does and how the pieces fit together, then how do you custom make the right talent solutions for that organization? Because I'm sorry, there's not a heck of a lot of talent solutions out there that are out of the box. Oh, it, it's, it's so true. Right. I mean, there may be out of the box elements that you yes. build into what you provide it but the exactly. overarching strategy and how it hangs together right the story needs to be 
clear, cohesive, and custom to well, that organization. So, so Lisa, that just brought something to my mind that we talked about before is, you know, when you said about, you know, there's out of the box elements and then we custom tailor it and help them fit into the organization. That's where the, the reception, the buy-in, the stickiness, the adoption, the embedding yes. it comes from. It's going to be an uphill battle if you come in and just purely take something out of the box and say, this is the way we're going to do it, especially in the talent arena. I mean, SAP, Workday, all those big things, ERPs are coming in and they're like, yep, this is how you have to do it now. And just if you've ever been through one of those, look at the resistance around, well, how do I make it do this? Oh, you don't. You have to do it this way now. No, but in our organization, no, we're we're unicorns. Absolutely right. To use an <laughs> yeah. overused word, but but it's true. And then they're like, no, you're not. We've worked. <laughs> yeah. So that you're it's right. You're you're so right, right? That resistance that builds up because you know. So why not start from a place of you're special and you are unique, and so there may be elements that we can apply that will work as is others we've got to we've got to curate we've got to adjust tweak you know even if it's changing the language so that people understand it better right there's there's it, it doesn't have to be complex when we talk about customization i think a lot of people get very scared they get kind of like oh my god this is gonna be a lot of work and it's not necessarily right it it could simply be we're going to present something or 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 put it out there through the lens of this company's particular competencies or value system or you know culture and so on the the other thing too that i want to go back to this is mm -hmm. you and i we can we can just like go off on so many bing, different bing, directions bing, bing, all over the bing, place bing, bing. <laughs> yes but when when you were talking about you know there's things that that you've you may have used before strategies that you've put in place things that made you successful that got you to where you are it reminds me of that book i've probably mentioned it in other episodes what got you here won't get you there by marshall goldsmith who's just you know one of the original kind of executive coaches if you will and yeah. such important wisdom in that book he has a new one coming out actually oh Does can't he? think of the name Yes, yeah, yeah. the evolved life. I think, or I think it's something like that. And I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. I yeah. still remember. So I read that book. <laughs> oh my gosh, I read that book in 2009. Okay, and... I remember the year. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. Oh my gosh! And then actually, I just I did a blog post about something that came out of that. And I remember in those early days of earlier days of my career, reading it and kind of skimming through, you know, the things that you got to watch out for. And I remember looking at it going, oh, well, this would be a good read to figure out, you know, how I can coach and help other people. I don't think any of these apply to me. It, I read the book <laughs> and I went, <gasps> and it was such an eye opener. And, you know, there, there's some great tidbits that came out of that book that They'll be different for every person, but you know, there's, there's certainly a couple that I've carried with me ever since 2009. Beautiful thing. And well, and it, it links back to a lot of it's around, like it's bring your strengths, bring your expertise, bring your knowledge and check your assumptions at the door, withhold judgment, right? Before you kind of like run in like a bull in the China shop, you know, like we, yeah. we actually... That'd be interesting. So I I can think of bosses, you know, in my past where all of a sudden I got a new boss or, or it was some other senior leader that, you know, I was aware of or, or, or a peer and somebody came in 
and, you know, where there were mistakes made, you know, where there was a negative impact on how I felt about them or how I collaborated with them rightly or wrongly. Can you think of any examples like that? Like what, what are some of the not not to do's? Because this episode is kind of really turning into something around, you know, how do you help yourself ramp up and transition into a, a new organization as a talent leader. And it also directly relates to how do you help the leaders relying on you coming into the organization, right? To, to help them with the, those, the onboarding and ramping up. I, I can't help, but you said, you know, how do you, how do you help them? They keep going back to the, hi, I'm from HR. I'm here to help, right? And then the, <laughs> the operators roll their eyes and say, sure you are. <laughs> It's going to be a Saturday Night Live skit or something, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, that applies no matter what role you're going into, right? Like I, most people, I believe, have some kind of value that's around being of service or contributing or, or helping or hiding value or progressing, whatever it is for each individual out there. And so that value can often drive our behaviors, but sometimes it's like the overused strength, right? Do I want to lead with this? And is that what they need? And so when I think about something that comes to mind around don't do is or don't add things to the agenda. Don't add complexity, you know, don't add confusion. Mm. You know, this is this is not the time in your career when you're new to a, a role in a company to add that to the mix. And so that goes flip over to the, well, what do you do? You ask questions, you listen, you observe, share your observation. Sure, why not? And you want to be very intentional around where can I add value in the first three months, the first six months, the first 12 months and beyond, I, I would say don't jump in and just say, you know what, we're going to turn the, the apple cart over and, you know, suddenly we're just going to do a whole bunch of things differently. Good luck with that because they're there for a reason. Yeah. And so if there's change to be made, okay, great. Figure out the best way to influence and get buy-in for the change. And sometimes that's not around, we're going to do it differently, you know, let's do a, a 180 here. It's okay. So how can we, you know, how can we progress things and implement changes slowly by tweaking and adding in or, or removing pieces and evolving what we have to an even better end state for what the company is going to need down the road? Yeah, I, 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 I uh, agree wholeheartedly. I think, you know, that what do you, what do we need to add in? What do we need to subtract? Like, it's so, it's so key. I think it's when, when you talked about actually don't add in confusion and complexity, what went through my head is also don't start yanking things off the shelf and saying, oh no, we don't need that. And we're, we're stopping doing that immediately. Like that would be something to avoid, right? Helping new leaders and remembering yourself in a new situation. Like my only role initially is to be ear to the ground, is to learn the business, is to get to know people and understand what's important here and start to create a picture, right? An accurate picture. So I think of mistakes. We've covered some of them already. It's asking, why do you do this, right? Versus, oh, tell me about how, you could say, tell me about how, why we do it this way. You know, I'm just, but in a curious way, like, you know, I'm just curious, like what, how come we do it in this order? You know what I mean? How did we get here? 
You yeah. Know, like, yeah. There's ways to, to, to put it in a way that, you know, you're being considerate of not wanting, you're not trying to put somebody on that defense, in that defensive spot. It's also being really reactive, you know, to, to things like, oh my God, doing it that way. And then jumping in or getting too involved, getting too, too close to the, the work. If you're meant to be crafting strategy and understanding how things are going, it's not involving people and not, and most importantly, not respecting strengths and and forgetting that things are a certain way and these people are here and they've been doing the best they can based on what they knew right and you you mentioned something to me in the in the in the green room earlier about one of the things that it's important to be conscious of is what are you following when you come in you don't always know exactly what went before and how sensitive people might be or not about your predecessor about how things are currently set up and it, it could take a while for some of that to open up. So it's it's trust that they'll share that in time. You have to be open to hearing it. Well and and you you mentioned earlier about, you know, the the eternal desire to earn the right to be at the table. Yeah. Well if you want to not get invited to the table then Go do so many things. Go do so many things. Yeah, yeah. Because to me, it's 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 interesting, right? Like it's just how it's textbook how to create resistance. Yeah, and 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 I don't know that you know for very long the bull in the china shop is going to get a, an invitation to the to the table and to the conversation, and and that's where I keep coming back to the you know learning and asking powerful questions that don't put people on guard, but really generate that's a good question you know i never thought of it that way you know and and then that generates more ideas yeah the other thing i would say that is important to do as a new leader with your team or with others is you know really pay attention and read the room because not everyone's going to be excited and not everyone's an extrovert and they're not all going to jump up and participate in conversations and so what is that quiet person holding on to that they'd like you to know that they just don't feel comfortable jumping up and telling you about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, it takes time to, for people to warm up. And I think also it's important, you know, you touched on change management, you know, like you're coming in, you are change right there in a nutshell. So m- helping people manage that change, which they're automatically going to find a little tricky. We all do. You know, I'm talking about the pillars of change management, which are really key. It's acknowledge where where they're at, right? Involve them to the degree you can in decision-making or analysis, whatever it looks like, involve in some way and provide lots of context. And sometimes the context context is sharing your intentions, right? So coming out and saying, so my sole role for the next three months is literally to gather, to gather information, to listen, to get to know you, to know what's important to you and the broader organization, to our stakeholders. And from there, I'm going to create kind of holistic picture, clearer picture of what, what I think our opportunities are and, you know, where we might want to start. And I'm going to bring that back and we're going to talk about it, right? And then here's when we might expect to see some changes start to happen. It might be at whatever, you know, four or five, six months mark. So I'm not in a race here. But telling people that I think could be just I think we forget that stuff, but I think that would be so helpful. So many leaders, especially when I think about earlier in my career, just come in and they're just, they're not trying to be the bull in the china shop and certainly would be mortified if anybody told them they were. They were trying to prove themselves and make impact early, right? And look good. 
And yet they got the opposite impact because it was too much of a rush. And they didn't talk about, even if that wasn't their intention, what their intention was to declare it up front. Yeah. It's kind of that that flip side of the bull in the china shop. Oh, I gotta have an impact. I've gotta, you know, leave my imprint, which, you know, a lot of experienced leaders and thought leadership will say, yeah, like what what's your impact in the first three months to six months? But it doesn't have to be a big bam, a big wow and and something disruptive. And so there's that flip side to the the bull in the china shop of, you know what it be a little stealth-like, right? And, and take time and, and, and weave that in so that it happens a little more naturally. And the other thing I would say for leaders going into new companies or new roles, it doesn't have to be your idea. So oh, yes. how might you support and help others pull out that great idea and make something awesome happen. There's your contribution. Well, and maybe it's something too that they've been seeing a place for for a long time and previously there was no appetite for it or you know what I mean? Like the new leader coming in could be that opportunity to 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 put it forward and make something happen that they already know would be a, an excellent move. Interesting. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, we've covered a lot of ground in terms of sort of like a little master course and in ways to to onboard yourself as a, as a new talent <laughs> meet leader as a talent leader in a new organization really and but also about to think about when you are crafting programs around particularly new senior leaders right and and, and what's what it's important to think about in getting people to be thoughtful and intentional as they yes. come into a new organization and i think you know, of all the the tips or the advice, that would be, that latter piece would be at the top of the list. Be very mindful, very thoughtful and intentional about how do I want to be? How do I want to show up? What do I want to do? And what feelings do I want to generate? I like that. What a good place to stop. What feelings do I want to generate? Thank you so much, Melissa. As usual, a million golden nuggets in one half hour episode. I really appreciate you coming back on the show and sharing a, about your experience and, and, and your wisdom in this area. It's been a true pleasure. I look forward to the next one. Yes, thank you. And thank you again. I love these conversations. And I think even for myself, when we're, we're having these conversations, I learn things over again and new things. So I really appreciate it. And I value the opportunity to have these chats with you. My pleasure. Liberty's lucky to have you. So all the best. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your colleagues. Better yet, head over to iTunes and let us know. When you subscribe and leave me a five-star review, not only do I glow from within, but more people will learn about the show and why they should listen. Until next time, keep telling the talent management truth.